Drake, we don't need any more music from you. The question is, why still make releasing music? That's that is the that is where we're at. Why Drake is still making music? What we, I tell I told you multiple times on the show. I don't hear from you till twenty twenty two. Well, actually, you, you've I, given me this mixtape, and you're now having the audacity to announce an album for this summer. Well, this is actually go <laughs> away. <laughs> But that, that, Please, that's um, enough. But I, I think. Okay. I, wait, wait, Hello guys and welcome to a new episode of Don't Like The Stands. You are here today with your host Eads McKenzie and Nicholas Terrell and Shopper. And it is a new week. Thank you for everyone for being so excited for us coming back. We've got a lot of messages and people enjoying the episode. Um, Nick, Shopper, how are you guys? Um, I'm good, thanks. Uh, things are going well, better, like there's a routine now. It just feels a lot more secure. Um, and I'm happy we're back as well because I was missing obviously the weekly content and just us progressing the season with the podcast um we've been quite consistent throughout our seasons when we record so it was a shame when it wasn't like that for those first few weeks but obviously people understand it's it's an unnatural occurrence so yeah I'm just happy that we're back in a steady flow of things and that it's working out for us as well and you shopping um I'm okay uh the last few days have been somewhat overwhelming and stressed to say the least but um you know i know all things are temporary and um in the words of dorinda clark hall i'm still here <laughs> thank you for sharing that. that i'm still in my gospel bag as you can see <laughs> you are <laughs> um so for me i've been in a really good place lately um I've, as i was telling nick before this recording i've just started meditating again um i started using mind well no sorry i started using how can i have calm i started using calm again um, and it's been very, very helpful. Um, it's one of the only apps that I actually subscribe to because I find it's really, they, they know exactly what they need to do when it comes to um, what people want to hear and how people want to meditate. You get so many different voices and everything. It sounds like I'm doing a, an ad for every app that I use nowadays, um, but genuinely I've been in a good space, um, and I want to thank everyone for the messages for the um, opening of the last podcast. It's something I thought I would do very last minute, but I got a lot of love from it, so thank you very much. Um, I think that's it. I think that's all I've got to say. Should we go on with the episode? So as I um, mentioned before, I'm still in my gospel bag. And that led me to a movie that I loved in my childhood with a, a brilliant soundtrack, a 2000s black movie underrated classic, The Fighting Temptations. And I hadn't seen this movie in a very long time, a very, very, very long time. And um, for those who um, aren't aware of what it is, it's a movie with Cuba Gooding Jr., uh, Beyonce, uh, Faith Evans, the OJs, and yeah, a bunch of people. It's a really good, feel-good family movie about a church and their plans to win a gospel competition. And most importantly, the soundtrack slaps. I've always loved the soundtrack from like a nine-year-old, but this week I don't know why. Um, 
I just kind of went, I actually watched the movie with my brother actually for the first time in like, I don't know, may have been like well over 12 years. I haven't seen it in a very long time. And it's still funny, which is a good thing. I thought maybe I disliked it because I was a child, but I actually still enjoyed the movie. But then the soundtrack is um is amazing. Like, as I said before, since the Clarks just came out with their movie, I've definitely been in my gospel bag, which I always am generally. Like, I play it anyway, but like more so these last uh, yeah. few weeks. And um, yeah, there's just, um, it's just a really, 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 really good soundtrack. So um, I just want to shout out a few songs on there. There's a song on there called, oh, oh shout out to Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, who I mentioned last week. They should have bet about Babyface. I didn't know this, but they actually produced the entire soundtrack. So I was like, ah, there we go. That's why it slaps. Um, yeah, so there's a song on there called Rain Down with Andrew Stone and the OJs. There's He Still Loves Me, which I feel like should be played at every cookout from now on post-corona. Um, uh, what else is there? There's uh, Beyonce's cover of Fever, which is really cool. And uh, Shirley Caesar on the soundtrack. Uh, Mary Mary on the soundtrack. Yeah, it's just a really, really, really good soundtrack. And a good movie, if you want to check it out. Um, so that's my first listen. Do you mind if I just Second... interject, Shopee, if that's all right? Go on. Um, I just have a question for you because I was having a conversation with someone um, a few weeks ago, I think. Um, and I know you always speak about gospel music, but you know how I am as a person um, and kind of like some of my beliefs. But I was having a conversation with someone about like if there's an issue if someone isn't like spiritually connected to the music but still appreciates and wants to listen to it. And I'll give you an example. I was listening to um yes, I was listening to that Kanye song that I told you I listened to last week. And I was really enjoying mm-hmm. it. And I was speaking to someone and they were saying, like, I can't listen to um this music because obviously I'm not spiritually connected to it. It's not my religion, all these types of things. What do you think about those comments? Um, well, I think first and foremost, like any other genre of music, gospel music is, it's an art form. It's, uh, it has its own, uh, you know, structures and it has its own modes and it has its own characteristics that, like, you know, akin to jazz or hip hop or R&B. So like, I think first and foremost, people can appreciate it as a form of music, like just, you can appreciate the musicianship, the instrumentation, the vocals. Cause I always say that the best musicians and singers come from gospel music whether they actually still make gospel music or they were raised in the church like you know a la Whitney Houston or D'Angelo like the best musicians and singers in my opinion come from the church so that's one thing but um I don't I don't I think you can even if you're not necessarily a Christian spiritual connected most importantly gospel music is meant to uplift and encourage so it doesn't necessarily have to be you have to be a Christian or believe in God you can come away with it feeling lighter or happier or inspired even if you're not a christian which you know these are things we should want as humans to be you know come away something more positive and you know feeling better about ourselves and about our situations and even me like i personally wouldn't I'd, i grew up in church i'm nigerian obviously um pentecostal upbringing every sunday um shout out to my shout out to my nigerians out there i know i know we were there every sunday um sometimes on saturday anywho um <laughs> Yeah, no, um, so I personally wouldn't really identify as a Christian anymore. I would definitely say I still believe in God, and I'm definitely a spiritual person, and I actually feel like my relationship with God has probably been, like, the most authentic and real real in the last few years, but I wouldn't put it under the the guise and the, the structure of an organised religion. It's just 
my thing now is like it's me and him i don't care about you niggas i don't care what i'm supposed to be doing or not doing or the bible says this blah 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 blah. it's me and him but even outside of that even in my most atheist years which i never was but i guess i went for a period where i was very much like in my Malcolm X, you know nation of islam blah blah blah. And the white man said this all that stuff this was when i was reading all my black panthers and shit shout out to uni years um hmm. I, I still was listening to, like, the Clark Sisters and um, the Commissioned and Fred Hammond and all, Donald Lawrence and uh, Matty, Mo- Matty Moss, people who I still... Jay Moss, like, people who I still love today because I music is my favourite thing in this world. So just because I may not necessarily feel what I used to feel as a child, like, I can still appreciate it as music. And also, you guys know me, nothing brings me more joy than good singing. And some of the best singers, in terms of vocals... Are undeniable are from like, when it comes to like your Kim Burrells and your Donny McClurkins or your Andre Crouches like those niggas sick respectfully sick respectfully speaking they sick so yeah no so I think I think to answer your question like no you can still appreciate one as music but also even if you're not even if you're not religious you can come away feeling like encouraged and inspired and you know feeling better about whatever your life is or even just like you know need a kick a kick for your day it's just like it's just positive music speaking of which i'm this wasn't part of my recommendations but i feel like a great song that i feel like no matter who you are you, you can come away just it puts a smile on your face it's called in the morning by mary mary so i want everyone to play that song if they can if they would like to it's just like no matter every time i hear that it just puts a smile on my face it's just like hmm hmm but yeah, <laughs> so yeah, The Final Temptations soundtrack, great movie, great. Um, and um, I've realized Beyonce is not as bad as an actress as I thought. I mean, she's definitely still not a great actress, but I realized, you know what? She, she's a, a hard worker. I can see she really tried. I can see she really tried. You know, shout out to Matthew Norris for booking her for that. Um, who the who was bad was Faith Evans, and yeah, <laughs> like you know, you know when just someone just oh dear, you know someone could just like. They just put too much effort into their into their into their six lines. That was Faith Evans. Six lines. <laughs> six lines. Because she's, she's only yo, in the first. Yo, I can't be bothered with him today. Because you know she's only, she's only in the first half an hour of the movie, but but of course we love Faith, you know. And her, but oh yes, yeah, so about the soundtrack. So she covered "Heaven Knows" by Donna Summer, and she killed it. See, once again, oh, the soundtrack what? is lit. The soundtrack, every every song on that soundtrack, lit. I actually don't believe it's on Spotify, unfortunately, for whatever reason. But you can find the track listing on Wikipedia or, or whatever. Then go f- listen to each song on YouTube. Literally, every song bangs. Like, it's a great soundtrack. It's a great soundtrack. Faith killed that Donna Summer rendition. She killed that song. But um, next up, we have Tom Mish. So he has come together... With um Yusuf Days, who I also am a big fan of, with his work of Kamal, Kamal, what's his last name? Before I mess that up, Kamal Williams. Yes, they have worked. They're um one of my favorites in the new school jazz renaissance. So when I saw that Yusuf was going to be collaborating with a uh, Tom on a project, I was very excited. I was very very excited, and the album came out last week. They've put a few singles out over the last couple of months, and um. I want to just say I absolutely love this project. I'm still like taking it in because I don't really, like I said, I don't really take in music the way I used to anymore because I'm just regularly overwhelmed and 
actually mm-hmm. a bit frankly a bit anxious about the amount of music that comes out nowadays but the times I've seen it I really really have enjoyed it and I think mostly because I feel like so I've been a Tom Mish fan since about 2012 2013 the SoundCloud days and he actually is uh one of my best friends went to school with him they're good friends they're very good friends uh and uh so like I've always I've always just like loved his mixture of like jazz and hip hop and like Brazilian funk and even in terms of the hip hop thing because even though I'm the R and B guy, when it comes to my hip hop loves, Nick knows this. Nick knows I'm very much in like my 100%. Talib, my Most, my Common, the Roots. Those are the, the far side. Like when it comes to my hit rappers, that a tribe would quest. Like those are my people. Like that kind of sound, that kind of vibe. When it comes to who my hit rappers are, Slum Village, I can go on. And Tom is the same. Like a lot of Tom, Barney, Loyal. That's where their inf- insp- inspirations come out in. So I think for me, when he got signed and started, like he got a manager and everything, I kind of just felt like his sound became, as expected, a bit watered down, a bit, a bit gentrified. And I liked it. It was cool. So, like, so I'm referring to his last album, Geography, which I know Eden has heard. I did like it, but I just kind of felt it just kind of, it didn't really stick like grits to me, like his other projects did. And I kind of feel like this album is like, well, I've, I said to, I actually said to my friend who knows him, I said, the seasoning is back. Like, the oomph is back, the grit is back, the soul is back, the funk is back. Like, and I just feel like, not not necessarily regression, but like, I can tell that he's really gone back to basics of what his, what he wanted his sound to be, but also it's still a progression because it's, um, it's a bit darker than usual. Uh, it's quite a atmospheric... I don't really know how to describe it, but like there is like it's definitely got a bit more of a uh how can I phrase it? Like a not weekend like, but what's the word to describe the weekend's music if we're gonna use a a bass term? Ambient. Yes, it's got more of an ambient feel. But it's still very much like it's still funky, it's still jazzy. And one of the songs that samples one of my all-time favorite Aretha Franklin <laughs> songs. So I was like, ah, oh, see, you're just in your bag. Like, there we go. So I'm still getting into terms with it, but no, like, I, I, I love this project. And it might actually be one of my favourite projects this year. Him and Yusuf did an amazing job together. And when we're allowed outside the house again, I'm definitely going to see him live. I have to see these songs. Oh, 100%. In, with, with a live band. And I've, always, I've never seen it before, unfortunately. But now I feel like this is why it's, this is why it's good to wait. This is now the album that I'm like, I want to see these songs live. This is what I want to see. I want to see this with a band. I want to see how you you improvise on how you interpret these songs and bring them to life so yeah so shout out to those two and youtube days is also incredible eyes if you haven't heard his musical kamal williams great projects too shining lights in the uk jazz scene next up um jojo one of my favorite white girls one of my favorite probably like singers really at this point 16 years i've been a fan of her at this point like, it's hard, it's hard yeah. to believe it's like because she's still very young she's only like what 28 She's been in this game for nearly 20 years already. I've listened to her from the very beginning. I love Jojo, love her, everything. I, I'm just <clears> so <throat> proud of how far she's come and her story and her resilience and her strength. So, like, every time I just see her, like, performing, I'm just, like, so happy for her. So she's released a new album yesterday called Good To Know, which I still haven't checked out properly, but I did listen to it before we recorded, and I like it. You may, I'll have detailed thoughts next week, but... Last week she released a song of that album called Lonely Hearts and I've played this song definitely like 
every day in this week. Like, it's just a great, great mid-tempo R&B ballad. And her vocals are just soaring. She's just flying. She's just flowing. And I just, and also one thing I've noticed, even though I'm not going to talk about the album too tough, in terms of lyrics and writing, this might be her best work. Like, I feel like, kind of like Tanashi in the last, on her last project, like, I feel like this is Jojo being her most honest mm. and her most unapologetic and her most vulnerable. Even if it's about the day-to-day issues of love and how men ain't crap, men ain't shit. Like, she, I feel like she's really addressing things here. And, like, she even speaks about her alcohol addiction in one other song, which I'll discuss next week. But, um, so, yeah, no, Lonely Hearts. Like, it's a really, 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 really good song. And I just, I'm just so happy for her. Like, I just, I'm just, yeah, I just love. And you know what? She might be in my stand books. Like, she might, I might say so I stand for her. Like, I was there, like, in that 10-year period when the label weren't doing anything. I was there with all the, everything she was putting on um, Audio Mac and Bandcamp. All those unreleased songs, all the leaks, all the covers, the mixtapes. I've been there with Jojo, you know. I've been there with her. <laughs> I love that woman. One of my favorite white people. I'm dead. Love her. Um, and, um, two, two more, uh, to quickly, uh, so Raven Lanay has returned in our lives, you know, Insecure is back, you know, and as always, the soundtrack, well, the soundtrack, I, well, I guess the soundtrack, you know, there's always, um, great music every episode, and I was listening, watching this week's episode, and, um, I heard Raven Lanay, and I see she's come back to give us a song called Rewind, and it's, as always, it's another winner. She never disappoints me. Raven, wherever you are, we need an EP or an album or something. The niggas are waiting. So check out Rewind from Insecure. And uh, lastly, we have Kiana Lede. So she released her debut album, Kiki, a few weeks ago. A bit of an obvious title, but whatever. Um, great project overall. I do think it was too many songs long. I think it could have been a nice, solid 12, 13 songs, but that's fine. But um, I want to shout out one particular song called Forfeit with Lucky Day. And I just think it's just uh, it's a stellar, stellar duet with my guy Lucky Day, who I love. You know that. And um, yeah, that's it, really. Um, the whole al- I-, I recommend the overall album, of course. But the song Forfeit especially has been on repeat this week. So check out Kiki and check out that song. And those are my listens for the week. Okay, Even cool. Nick. Um, I just want... Uh, I was just going to say, um, for Tom Mish, I just find him very interesting as a person. Um, and it's interesting that you use the word gentrify for a white man. I just find that quite interesting um, because it shows how much he kind of, he invests into his music. Like you can tell by um, some of the people that he kind of comments on in like quarantine sessions that he's quite well informed when it comes to music. Um, like he's covered mm. Solange recently. Um, he's covered um, what they called again smells like Thundercat yeah Thundercat but Nirvana as well like you can tell he has quite an expansive taste when it comes to what he listens to and the music that he appreciates Um, and I Mm. I would agree with the idea that um, he kind of watered down as he started to kind of grow and get into management and stuff like that but um, I think that's more focused on the fact that it was less beat focused and more um, vocal focused like Tom Mish like if you think of the beat tape 2 um, when I think wait was it beat tape 2 I think it was beat tape 2 um, it was mostly production focused um, and you kind of got like kind of like sprinkles of him singing or you would get like a guest on his beat or something like that but I think the aim now is very much him being the artist and I think he's trying to 
figure out how to kind of put that across to people because I think he's very much in love with instruments um, and I don't think singing was something he initially wanted to go into um, mm. but definitely I, I, I think he's found the formula now as he's released this album um, I haven't had an opportunity to like sit down and listen to it properly um, and what I mean by that is I haven't really focused on it I've just had it in the background um, but I am a massive fan um, like a few weeks ago or days ago my name actually on twitter was tom mish stan because i do think he's one of the biggest he's one of the best artists in the uk at the moment and i do see him growing and becoming bigger um i think he was on a playlist by john legend was it um someone in america someone big in america had him on a playlist i think barack obama had him in his um as well actually uh might have been who sorry it might have been maxwell maxwell was a fan of him yeah, he's he's definitely someone that um, I would say people need to watch out for if they've never heard of him. Um, watch his um, Tiny Desk as well. It's really good. And again, you can see mm-hmm. that um, mm-hmm. he definitely knows about instrumentation. He definitely knows about what type of sound he wants to create. So if there's anyone I would recommend, it's definitely Tom Mish. He is definitely an incredible artist. Um, but on to what I've been listening to. So I haven't been listening to anything new. A lot of the things that I'm going to recommend and speak about are things I've probably mentioned before. Um, but there is a project called Keep Everything Yourself, and it is by an artist called Giroux. Um, And I came across this project really randomly. I can't actually remember how, but it just appeared in my playlist one day. Um, the song called Ride Death, and it features an artist called Kane. And it's very addictive. Like... He definitely strikes me as someone who knows exactly what his sound wants to be um, and how he wants to come across. He speaks a lot on very simple, like braggadocio things, but it's over very like chilled instrumentals. And um, I just feel like it's a very cohesive project from the beginning to the end. And it was quite interesting when it came across because I was working from home and like one of the first lyrics that I heard from him was um, something like he even when he's working from home, he never stops or something like that. Um, and just listening to him is very comfortable. So he is born in Columbus and it's pronounced J. Rowe, sorry, my apologies. But definitely listen to that project. It's really good. And I believe one of the first songs that he released on YouTube, LeBron actually recorded himself working out to it. Um, so I would watch him for sure because I imagine he got quite a buzz from that. Um, so check that out if you can. So that album is called Everything, Keep Everything Yourself and it's by J. Rowe. Um, next for me is, and I've spoken about this girl about a hundred million times, but I just, I'm addicted to her music. And when she comes to the UK, I definitely need to go to a concert and meet her and just tell her how much I love her music. But Jayla Darden. So I went back to onto something and I have no words for how much I love this project. It's just so, so beautiful. Um, like I said before, you can hear, you can hear the Brandy, the Aaliyah, all of the influence from, Um, the early 90s um, early 2000s you can definitely hear all of those artists in her music Um, the harmonies the um, the instrumentals the just the way she organizes her sound is just very very brandy Um, but onto something is one of the best songs that I've heard in a long time and I'll say that without any repercussions whatsoever once you've heard that song you are addicted and I am slightly annoyed it only has like 200 200, 200,000 something listens on Spotify that should be a song that everyone knows it's really incredible Um, but check her out you won't be disappointed and lastly so first and foremost I want to say shout out to um there is no signal they are doing an amazing thing for the uk scene right now um and 
I do believe that as it continues to grow, it's going to be something that will be very, very important for black British um, people in the UK, but also music in general. Um, but before I was listening to the show, um, the Popcorn versus Burner Boy one, I was actually listening to Sir and I was just sitting there listening to Chasing Summer. And I was like, this guy is actually, there's no, he's just, there's no words. Like I was sitting here, it went, the first song I played, I didn't play in order. I played Fire first because I love that song. And I was just sitting here like, this, this guy, like, I, I just didn't have any words for it. He is just incredible. Um, very, very talented. And he released a new song lately, which I haven't had an opportunity to listen to. But Chasing Summer is just such a cohesive, pro- it's just, there's no words for it. I'm just it's really perfect. inspired. It's perfect. Like, yeah, exactly. It's perfect. And I'm really inspired when I get the opportunity to sit down and listen to artists who have definitely put a lot of thought into their work and you can kind of hear their love for music. And that's why I praise Tom Mish. I I praise um, Sir Angela Darden, who's just coming out and starting her career. And I hope continues to invest in her music as well. Um, Because I think there was a conversation as like the Versus series um, came to light and became more popular and everything. There was this whole conversation about how music is dying and how people aren't really making good music like this anymore and all this type, these types of things. And I'm seeing it happen with our generation as well now, um, as we kind of, some of the artists we grew up listening to have like, are reaching expiration dates or kind of not as popular anymore. And like some of the new artists are kind of taking the forefront and there's a sound that we don't really resonate with. It's always this generational thing about how when we move to the next generation, like the sound before that was much better um i definitely do think that going forward we have a lot of artists that are going to offer a lot um and i hope that jay ladarden is one of those people that are at the forefront um but those are my listens cool so um for my listens for the week um pretty sure i think there's like two or three that i'll highlight um the first is Fabio Foreign, um, who is a New York draw act, um, and his latest project is called Eight Hundred BC. It has Meek Mill, yep. Little Baby, and Quavo on it, and it stands at eight songs, twenty four minutes long. He's one of the only draw acts, I believe, to be signed to a major label imprint right now. Um, that's including Chicago and London as well, where drill is prominent. Um. I personally am falling in love with Drill, like New York Drill in particular, like so many acts are coming out, which I'm just very much into. And I think Five Year Foreign is definitely one of those names that I can see when um, Bobby Schmurda comes out, him collaborating with, I could have seen potentially like beefs and territory aside, like the likes of Pop Smoke and everyone kind of collaborating with too. Um, and obviously he's collaborated with the likes of the producers who are known, which is Axel Beats, um, 808 Mellow, etc., who are just building the genre to what it is now. Um, it's in its creative stages right now. And I think he's very good at, in terms of his cadence, in terms of the onomatopoeias in the background. Um, I think it's moved beyond kind of just talking about recklessness on the beat and it's kind of a bit deeper on some in some senses and even in some senses it's just about braggadocious like big drip obviously he's known for um it's moved beyond just the kind of violent narrative that it's associated with in terms of worldwide as well there still is obviously violence associated with the genre but i think more artists um and that includes uk artists as well um are moving away from that um that 
kind of narrative. I think we had Steph on the show who manages obviously Pounds and Pounds is making it completely commercialised in terms of drill. Like he's inspired by the likes of, you know, Michael Jackson in terms of his visuals and stuff like that. So I think Drill as a whole is an interesting stage and I'm, I'm very happy to kind of be there real time as it grows. And obviously we've got the drill ministers in the UK doing big things outside of the genre, even in terms of politics. Um, so I'm really excited to watch this genre grow. And I think we're getting to a place now. Shout out to Scully, who's also on No Signal, who did a podcast episode actually with Vice um, two days ago. I believe it got released and it's documenting the scene everywhere. So I think we're getting to a place where it's accurately being documented um, and drill as a whole is being told from the, the New Yorks, the Londons and the Chicago's in terms of their story. Obviously, we know it was more so um, started in Chicago as an opposition to violence. But across, obviously, our areas such as the the Londons and the Chicago's as well, um, there was still a movement there. Like in London, people moved beyond grime and went to drill and all of that kind of stuff throughout the tens as well. So yeah, that is my first recommendation or listen, sorry, I always say recommendation. Um, second is I will move to K Camp and he released um, one of his albums called Kiss of Five two weeks ago, I want to say it was now, um, but I only got into it end of last week. So like Sunday after we recorded and then the whole of this kind of week as well, kind of fell in love with it. Um, obviously, he is a guy who has really created so many club hits throughout his, his career in the industry. And um, I think he is an artist who quietly kind of creates hits, but doesn't necessarily get the um acclaim that comes with some of the big hits as an individual um and he has a very interesting career too but um yeah obviously he's best known right now for i'd say the biggest song or one of the biggest songs of his career called um lottery renegade which obviously came with that accompanying dance which um obviously got the shine and the love from the creator um earlier this year but I think the whole record as a whole it's the right length is about 15 minutes 46 uh 46 minutes sorry 15 songs um it includes loads of features so Jeremiah uh Fabo Young Blue uh so many different people across the project Ari Lennox and obviously Tink who we spoke about last week as well that song is one of my favorites and it's uh named after actually the the myth or the urban legend that black men don't cheat is literally called that um as a whole so yeah interesting song but i think uh i think <laughs> as a whole um ari lennox um and tink both do great things on that number uh tink is great at closing the record um and ari ari's just ari to be honest wherever her vocals are placed they are phenomenal and she always delivers and she's got a really interesting tone to her so it's great um I think Fall In Line, which is the second song after the intro, uh, is another great song. I think K-Camp's, one of his skills are that he can actually meld trap um, in a calm oh. way. And I think that gets um, that gets more love. It's not like kind of the, the trap that you listen to in the club and get turned to. It's more of a like introspective and he can kind of talk about relationships and his, his kind of, his kind of, life obstacles over it as well obviously August Alcina was not um wholly trap 
but how he storytells on um, kind of his songs is, it reminds me of K Camp as well. So yeah, all good there. Um, so yeah, favorite songs: Black Men Don't Cheat, Fall in Line, um, What's Your Name as well, and I would say the song with um Jeremiah actually one more time. So yeah, K Camp, great artist. Um, and I think if you like trap but want it a bit more slowed down, get into him. He's great. And then I would say the final thing that I've been listening to this week a lot is Jelani Blackman. Um, so obviously I've spoken about him a lot um, in the past on the podcast and he is a um, UK MC, West London to be specific. Um, and he he dabbles in quite a bit actually. He's He's been over grind beats in his time. He's done the grind freestyles, but then he does more hip hop stuff and his tone is quite deep as well. So he, he gets introspective too. Um, he kind of can meld a lot of different genres. So I'm really excited for him too. So he released his EP back in 2019, actually. And I was just, basically he did a freestyle on Red Bull. Um, and that kind of got a bit of attention. Then he did a lockdown story takeover. A lot of artists are doing this. I think he did it for Dummy Mag. And that got me back into him because he was writing songs um, during that time and recording stuff. So I was like, oh shit, like I really like this guy and um, let me go show him some love. And I remember he released the EP that I hadn't listened to. So um, yeah, it stands at five songs, literally 15 minutes. Um, released under his own label now. He was previously signed to Virgin. Now he's on 18 Records slash E1 Music. Um, and I love, I love, I love, I love just how lyrical he is. He's super lyrical and cares about his penmanship. It's not throwaway lyrics. It's about, you know, he talks about his dad on Nobody's Son. The song's opener, also one of the singles for the, the EP. He then talks about obviously his upbringing, Brixton, um, which is a big mark on his 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 life and his upbringing as well. Um, Average Joe, another one of his singles did great in terms of just raising his profile. And um, I think it got covered by a few outlets. Um, I just personally really love his, he's got a really unique tone, like and really unique, should I say cadence more so actually, um, and flow. He can switch it up really quickly he can be aggressive he can be slower he can be more like he'll make you listen or it will be more like um, braggadocio as well uh, I just think he can do it all and I think he's someone who's not getting the love that they deserve necessarily over here um, there is a moment happening right now with a lot of uh, UK hip-hop rap uh, grime etc MCs and I think he's he's missing from the new generation in terms of the conversation so I'd love to see him get a bit more praise in the last couple I um, mean the next years to come sorry um, I'd also recommend his Lockjaw EP if you haven't heard that as well it was released two years ago now 2018 um, love that song and the housing EP as well so yeah those are my um listens for the week we've got jelani blackman average joe we've got k camp kiss five and we have 800 bc by fivian foreign so yeah and shout out to no signal as well man they're doing incredible things partnerships with spotify um listens to the popcorn uh versus uh who was it burner boy yesterday last night and both of them have incredible catalogs like I think my friend Habiba actually tweeted this last night. She said, you have to be someone who listens to both Afrobeats and Dancehall to really appreciate both artists and what they do. And I think it's clear who listened to both before the show um, and who was just on either one, one side or the other. I think both genres have been so influential on in what's happening right now across the world. So yeah, 
Um, I didn't think it was the greatest matchup, but it was a peaceful debate on my timeline. I'll, I'll say that. But yeah, it was a great show as well. Yeah. Um, I did hear that there was some yeah. slander elsewhere that, you know, unfollow if you want to unfollow. But um, I mm. had a peaceful timeline last night. Don't know about you guys who, li- who listened. I think it's... I think it's good to have balance on things like that, though, because one of the things that I definitely pride myself about this show um, is the fact that we have a balance of um, background. The one thing that we kind of have against this show, though, is we're, we're both from we're all from um, Northwest. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's one thing I realized yeah. once that we're actually all from Northwest London. Yeah. Um, but in terms of culturally, obviously, Shope being Nigerian, um, I'm half Jamaican. Nick is half Jamaican um, and uh dominican sorry and i'm half bajan but it's like there's a mixture of like opinions on here and i think that's one of the beautiful things about black british um twitter but also black british culture as well the fact that we are a melting pot of so many different voices but sometimes because of like the system that we're under we can sometimes fall under a lot of the um the kind of tricks that have been placed into our minds like the comments we would make against west africans or like um, like sometimes the comments that were made about Somalis that came out um, a few weeks ago, I think it was. Um, sometimes like white supremacy will make us kind of battle each other for a title that we should really share. Because um, mm. I do think that we we influence each other all the time. Like if we think about like reggae, we think about um, some of the sounds that came from Jamaica, they are heavily rooted in like African music. 100%. Like, And I don't mean African as in, in as in it's like a a one sound i mean there's a lot of music that obviously because some of us derive from africa that's where most of our music will derive from um so i find like the diaspora wars and all these conversations a bit stupid to be honest um i just find it's a bit it shows that people don't really know what they're talking about i'd Um, agree and uh, yeah but yeah i'd agree and i think that we can celebrate ourselves even now even if people don't want to look at the past where we used to share drums and travel to each other's regions uh, to create certain genres i think even now we have all um, benefited from the creation of afro swing that incorporates um afro beats it incorporates dancehall it incorporates hip-hop yep. uk rap it includes all of those mixtures together and while we do find kind of refuge in our own sounds we should celebrate what we've we've created together and i think the genre is only developing as we move into the 20s um and i think yeah we should yeah we should celebrate that a lot more i think shout out to the likes of you know even though they've got so much pride you know nsg whatever like and um yeah. lotto boys and all of that and afro b all of those people who shout out both genres um even though in the past there's been a controversy even burner boy shouts out that he's done dancehall in the past before um or is inspired by dancehall so uh, yeah just celebrate each other i have so many nigerian friends um and i've embraced their culture growing up as well it's not we don't slander out here you know yeah but even even if you look at burner boy sound for example he uses patwa and that's not that's not a detriment that's not that's not saying that he should like um that's not really a cuss or it's not anything no. negative i think if you asked burner boy himself <clears throat> he would admit that like he uses patwa a lot in his music um and i i used to have an issue with that if i'm being completely transparent like i used to because as you said nick it's something that i don't really feel like he was very transparent about to begin with it's something that he just did yeah um and boot and buju um banton he had an interview a while ago no actually recently it was fairly recently about jamaican culture 
and how the sound has evolved but some of the people that kind of helped it grow and kind of forgotten in some places and i'm not talk even talking about burner boy anymore i'm talking about the likes of reggaeton and um a few other countries that use elements of black culture or jamaican culture yeah. not saying they're necessarily intertwined in all cases um and in introduce it to their sound and then we aren't really propelling we weren't aren't really su um, succeeding in some areas mm. um but I say that to say that music is something that is ins inspired. Like a sound can come from tomorrow. Like if you listen to drill, there are some elements of um, reggae culture in it. it. From the slang that we use, because it's so embedded in British, black British culture 100%. as well, it's impossible to escape. So I do think that the whole diaspora war conversation is just something that people do to fuel their own ego. Um, like Nick said, it would be very impossible for you to grow up in London and not have an interaction with someone from the majority of um, West African or African co um, countries. Yeah. Um, so at the moment, I just believe it's ignorance um, and there's a lot of unlearning that people need to do. Uh, just give them the opportunity. I'm not going to chase anyone down for anti-Caribbean um, comments anymore. That's not something I'm going to do. Oh, it's not the hill I die on. Yeah, it's not the hill that I die it's on. It's not worth it. Um, I will just, it's I'm actually just not, not worth engaging it. with you. Like, that's, that's all it is. Um, there was even a conversation the other day about Jamo and do you want to like, use that term, Jamo and stuff like that. It has been used derog in a derogatory manner, but... Uh, do you know what? My friends don't use that in a derogatory manner and they don't use it towards me, so that I'm good. But other people, if you want to fight that yeah. hill and the hills about music yeah. and who started what and who's created, who, who's influenced by who, you can do that. But that's not my hill to die on um, at all. But yeah, um, great music coming out of the UK, great moments, no signal, shout out them, shout out us, shout out everyone doing their thing. Um, let's move in. I just oh, want to say, <laughs> and you both know this was coming. What? Um, yes, no signal are doing amazing things. Um, yeah, I love what they're doing, but I would just like to say, Ooh, here we go. As <laughs> whoever thought it was a good idea to put Mariah Carey and Beyonce in a battle, shame on you. That's, that's <laughs> all I have to say. That was just... Oh, and then, so whoever I do it was, shame on you. And also, the ladies who were representing both my girls, no. No. Neither of you had the range <laughs> to be representing either of them. Cause I, and that's what I want to say on that. I just was listening to some of the song choices. And I was like, so this is what we're doing. So we have all these songs in their catalogue, and you chose that. Oh, again, you chose that. I'm like, oh, Okay. And, um, all I'm oh saying is, because obviously I, a lot of people are tweeting me because people obviously know that I am, you know, I am a lamb and I'm also yeah. a sensible member of the Beehive. So I was just like a bit appalled at some of the song choices, but also appalled that this was even happening. Because <gasps> I think, I don't think people realise, I don't think people realise the, the generational difference. You know, Mariah came out 30 years ago. <laughs> like, they're not <laughs> of the same ilk. Like... I understand that, you know, us, our generation, we grew up on her from, like, the Emancipation Movement onwards, because she is, you know, one of the few um, legends from the 90s to have, like, had, like, a, a real second wave of success in the times of the Ushers and the and the Rihannas, which, of course, you know, shout out to her, but we need to remember that she comes from the school of Whitney and Tony <laughs> and Anita yeah. Baker. She's not, she's not from our era. <laughs> she's not from our time. So I don't know why you thought... It was it was smart to put them together. Yeah, but 
all in all, I love what you're doing, but some of the suggestions I'm seeing for battles, it's just no. No, I agree, and I think yeah. I think it's wider than just Beyonce and Mariah, and I think that even the the lineup that I just spoke about, Burner Boy and Popcorn, like how how two different genres doesn't add up. It it just it just doesn't make any sense. But second season, less focus on ideal lineups and people who and artists who can I, match. But I do think part of it is for controversy. Let's be real, like it is. Um, but yeah, go on, Eden. I know you're going to say something. No, I was just going to say I I think the pairing for Popcorn versus Burner Boy was based on like a hierarchical thing. They're kind of like the princes of like the next stage for both dancehall and um, Afrobeats. Like obviously, Wizkid versus Pop versus um vibes cartel is something that people are waiting for who else would they put together as two people who are doing their thing in both jamaica and nigeria it would have to be burner boy and popcorn but i do understand what you mean like in terms of the sound it was surprising though because i did find that some one song would come on yeah and i'd be like there's no way <laughs> you're gonna be like family or like clean yeah. for example by popcorn and then like they throw on like that a burner song a burner boy song from african giant i'm like all right I'm annoyed they didn't play Collateral Damage, though. I'm very sure. annoyed they didn't play that song. Where was that, that song? Is my, and people where was that? that that's that my favourite. That's one of my favourite songs on that album. Oh, I'm actually listening to it in my head right now. Sorry. It's one um, of the best songs. It is. It's, it is one of the best songs. Oh, by they the way, have a good I did lineup. tune in, by the way. I, I, I wasn't retweeting, but I was there. Yes. Oh, Not okay. To see I, it. Was there, but yeah. I was there having a little skank in my room. Do you know what? I was I was moving, <laughs> you know. I wanted a rave. No low lie. Like, I, I wanted a rave. Recess. You've all seen me. And someone, Ade Josh, one of those artists said he's paying for everyone's drinks. So getting what? my orders in. Oh. Like, so oh. we'll be getting my orders in, Ade Josh. Okay. I'll screenshot JD, JD, JD Honey and Coke, thanks. Yeah. And Thanks. Yeah, I have screenshot the tweet. So we will be using that as currency when we get in the club post Rona. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, no, shout out No Signal. Shout out Scully. Shout out the whole team um jojo all of them like you're doing incredible things okay so first is first things first sorry we're moving to the uk we have um a bit of a controversy between link up tv and rapper chip who obviously is back did a collaboration album with um skepta and young ads as of late called insomnia um but this is in relation to his past um and his beefs, his former beefs. Um, so basically, there was a documentary on Link Up TV set to air uh, this week, and it it aired, but had to be taken down within twenty four hours due to the fact that um, Chipmunk and his camp, his management, to be to be specific, um, requested it to be taken down because of copyright. Uh, and issues in the documentary that had not been sent checked by your lawyers um, for copyright infringement. <clears throat> uh, Link Up TV, in response to this, obviously took down the documentary 24 hours later after its airing and released a uh, kind of statement uh, to Instagram, socials, etc., uh, explaining that a few days prior to the release of Shots Fired, Chip's management consulted them, requesting the footage um, so they could approve the edit and alleged that they had not had a copy of the documentary um, because they needed to review the copyright infringement. 
So they wanted, they kind of, Link Up TV kind of put the narrative that they wanted to get it out. Chip was being aggressive about it. Um, to which Chip responded um, after the documentary was taken down, of course, titling Shots Not Fired in a press release, um, stating that he'd been trying to contact Link Up TV for months. Um, and three days ago, Rashid from the Link Up TV team refused to speak to him. He then went on to say that copyright law is an actual thing and obviously he consulted his lawyers and was concerned about particular footage um, not being cleared or authorised to air um, and then went into the fact that he issued a warning via his lawyer. Um, he did kind of reiterate that he didn't want beef, uh, hence the title Shots Not Fired. Um, he wants it to be off of good morals, good work, um, respect and principle, he highlighted. And um, he said he's okay to kind of speak to the Link Up TV and Rashid and to get this resolved um, because in the years leading up to the documentary's airing, there had been a back and forth regardless um, over other issues too. So he has no issues um, on his end. Bless up, he ended. Um, and it's actually from Ashley Ray, um, of Cash Motto Management, which is Chip's management. Um, but yeah, he expressed that Chip or the camp don't want any kind of ill will. They just wanted to review the tape. So the tapes did go down. But I think as of yesterday or the day before, Link Up TV, we're getting the documentary back online. So it looks like the issues have been resolved and it looks like the camp have kind of resolved their copyright issues. Um, but people who've watched the documentary said that Chipmunk was not aired. I haven't watched it yet, personally. Um, wasn't aired in a bad light, nor some people were kind of questioning why, what footage they were talking about um, that needed to be removed or anything like that. Um, but there was a lot of speculation as to why it was actually deleted um, or removed. But Chip, management, etc., expressed that it was due to copyright um claims and they needed to clear every kind of clip but yes shots fired um if you didn't if you didn't know follows chip youngin bugsy malone and tiny uh in their former clashes and beefs in the mid zeros but yes what do you guys think of the back and forth the press statement um and if the documentary if you've watched it eden i'm looking at you if you've watched it Shoppe, if you've watched parts of it, I don't know. I do plan to watch it this weekend, so I'll let you know what I think next week. But yeah, what are you guys' thoughts? Um, so I watched it just before this, um, and I'm a bit confused because from what I watched, they it's like literally everyone on there. So just to give a background, who's on there? Um, there's Chucky online from the podcast Halfcast, who's a DJ. Um, there is Margs and um, Lippy, who are kind of like the new. The, like, wait, Lippy. Wait, wait, I'll wait, say that like music on, punditry. Pause, 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 pause. Sorry, Eden. <laughs> Lippy's on the um, thing. Lippy. Yeah, he's on. He's on the documentary. <laughs> okay, do you know what? I'm not going to pause timeline. I'm just going to say that's interesting. Um, but he is on Link Up TV, so, so I, I guess that's probably why they asked him. But yeah, anyway, continue. So I'll let me. The one thing I will say is that it made me feel very good about the current state of the UK music scene because it made me realize we actually do have people who might even be a bit controversial, yeah. um, like 
a US um like how people hate DJ academics in the US and like um Adam I can't remember his Adam twenty two or whatever Adam his name is in the yeah, US. Yeah. Um in the UK it's very interesting. It's very nice to see that we have documentaries now that are funded by black people. Yeah. Um and have like a group of people to comment on the UK scene who are a G checked, like they have a background in the scene. You got poet um from half cast as well chucky from half cast you've got um margs um who's a rapper and on link up tv's listening party um show you've got um miles which i was a bit interested about i can't remember what miles is for name but he's on um filthy fellas um it's quite a quite an interesting cast of people but it made me feel really good because it shows that the scene is developing that um there are people who can talk about the scene in such a such a interesting way with so many different opinions so many different ways of engaging with it Mm. so i did enjoy the documentary and i felt like it was quite entertaining and informative but it also the thing that confused me the most was i wouldn't understand how chip would have an issue with this documentary and the reason i say that is because literally every single person on that on that um documentary was bigging him up like like it was it was to the point where i had to ask myself is chip funding this because like (laughs) chucky was talking chucky was talking about how amazing chip is and how um you don't go against chip when you you're in a battle and like poet was talking about how um chip is like always coming back at people you can't really beat him down and stuff like that margs was talking everyone that was on there was bigging up chip do you know what Um, so i was chip is his one thing that he's known for is his pen like the biggest thing when he was down when he was up when he first started now he basically ousted the other two on the album and we all know that you know people who've listened to it Mm. we all know who won on that album um but and the album you're talking about is sorry um, skepta young adds yeah um I think that is the one thing that I think if they are commenting on his pen, you don't go against Chip in that term. I get it because pretty much everyone does. Like no one says, oh no, he can't write, like it's shit. But if it's like bigging him up overall, because he did have a dip in his period, in his trajectory and he's he's coming back from that. But um, he'll even admit that. Uh, but that's interesting that they're all bigging him up. Interesting. That is interesting. Well, that's a th- well, that's the thing. That's what the documentary was mainly about. It was talking about how Chipmunk was this guy who came into the scene to begin with, and he was like killing it. He was like he was talking about how he was a grime scene savior, yeah. and he came in and he was all about grime. And then he started doing the pop thing, and the pop scene didn't really go that well. And then it got into his kind of relationship with Tiny yeah. and how Tiny blew. And then there was this question of if Chip was jealous of Tiny for blowing up so quickly. Oh, yeah, there was that. Um, and then um. I think Tiny went into Charlie. Um, Char- What's his name again? Charlie yeah. Sloth. Yeah, Charlie Sloth. They went into. He did a fire in the booth with Charlie Sloth, and he kind of commented on Pizza Boy, which is one of Chip's yeah, songs. Is, yeah. And Chip w- went in there, and he was like pissed. He was talking about who, which other rapper in the UK has a song called Pizza Boy. So obviously, this is a diss towards me. <laughs> and then it kind of went off into how um, Chip was declining, um, how people didn't really respect him because he went to go do the pop thing and then came back when it didn't really work out in his favour and how he had to rebuild himself. And then he had the beef with Bugsy and people were like, oh, actually, Chip actually is really good. Then he had the beef with Youngin and then with Tiny and then it kind of helped bring Chip forward to who he is now. So I was quite interested in why 
there were why there was an issue. Also, the press statement, I can't. <laughs> the boat press as the resident PR boat press thing. Go on, Shafi, take it away. So I was gonna start off by saying that um, first and foremost, that though those series of clashes was a, a legendary time. That was a hilarious I time. Iconic. Twitter was hilarious. The songs were life. So I just wanna start off with that. That was a great time in in British music. I I thoroughly loved and enjoyed every second of that. Same. Me and my brother, we loved all of that. I'll start off with that. Secondly, the press releases, I, my, 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 <laughs> <laughs> my, 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 like, I knew it. Gr- grammar aside, <laughs> just grammar aside, especially on, what's the management team? Cashmore? Cashmore, yeah. Cashmore, yeah. Yeah, the, the grammar just wasn't there, first of all. <laughs> and, and secondly, Ooh. like, just the tone and like it just was very unprofessional like a press release is supposed to clear the air it's supposed to set the record straight on things it just kind of seemed a bit emotional press Mm. releases and and any copy from a PR agency is supposed to be kind of emotionless and devoid of any um, adjectives or opinions and this just Mm. seemed very much like the bitterness it just seemed like a a series of tweets Mm. basically Mm. yeah agreed and um, they put clout chaser in brackets. Yeah, I found that hilarious. We don't, we don't use the word clout chaser like, in press come releases. Come on, come on. It just yeah, the press releases were were a bit were shambolic. And also, and I guess on Link Up side, their press release was just it just kind of seemed like um, I didn't, I kind of was confused at their kind of confusion as to how it went down. Like oh, we used um, copyright material without the permission and they took it down. Well, duh, that's how. That's, that's how it works. works. <laughs> like <laughs> that's how on. these things go. <laughs> so the cookie crumbled, mate. Yeah. So that's that's those my thoughts. But I think on my end that uh, Link Up were definitely in the wrong, and I do understand that they didn't want um, Chipmunks management to see it, you know, to make it authentic and make sure the true story is being told, which I'm I I fully champion. Mm. But at the end of the day, PR or not, representation or not, you're using assets and footage. Yeah that don't belong to you. So unfortunately, in times like this, you're going to have to. You're going to have to. And I don't know Chip personally or Steam personally, but I don't see them being the kind of people that would, you know, I guess, stifle the narrative of the documentary to make it look like any better or anything. Because as Nick said, we all know who won. We all know who came out on top of that. And you could argue that Chip's street cred was reinstated after... 100%. Yeah. 100%. I always... So, yeah, I always think... I always think that's the case with him. He built his ranks back up. Yeah, and secondly, I don't even think Lincoln should have released anything. They should have just dealt with it internally. I don't know what they thought putting it out there about speaking to Rashid. Sorry, to Kashimoto would have done. Like, that wasn't changed anything. It should have been dealt with internally first. You know, over email, over a phone. (laughs) But Shopping, in terms of, like, press releases and stuff, are they, like... Because... I don't know how to phrase this without sounding like I'm trying to put people down, but are they focused on like, so is colloquial language necessarily a bad thing? Like is slang necessarily a bad thing if the, if that's how the audience speaks? Well, the thing is press releases are for the media. They're for, you know, journalists and media. So it's not necessarily for us, not for, for Twitter. Press releases, that's another thing. Press releases shouldn't even be coming out to Twitter, but that's another thing. They're not necessarily a bad thing, but it's like what I said about whole, like, press releases are kind of as a medium to set the record straight in a balanced and measured way. So you have to kind of just be clear-cut 
with everything. And it's not about, you know, trying to appeal to an audience. It's about just getting your side of the story uh, cleared up and that's it. And then you move on. And, and it's still with, without having to really leave any, I guess, um, what's that term? Anything tied up, any any loose ends tied up, yeah. basically. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But like just to round off the point, um, I do think that it worked against Chip for him to remove it in the at least in the way that it was done. One hundred percent. Yeah. I I just I don't I don't understand the aim, but maybe there's more behind the scenes that we don't know about. Um, but as far as like me watching the actual documentary, I do think that the documentary actually worked in Chip's favor. Um, it's something that made me think of Chip in a much bigger kind of role to the music scene at the moment. Um, and I know that's that's something that I've always thought, but it kind of emboldened it. The fact that Chipmunk has been in the scene for so long. He's had so many adversaries and like he's still on top. Like he's still one of those people. He's just released an album and he's been in the game for so long. You can't really say that about a lot of people. Like some of the people that we used to listen to growing up from the UK, they faded out or like Mm -hmm. they are still Mm -hmm. trying to release stuff and it's not really doing that well. But Chip is someone that's always there. He's always adapting, always um, doing new things. So I'm just a bit surprised. I thought it kind of... He deserves way more credit than we give him. A hundred percent. Way more. Way more credit than we give him. Like whether or not you you agree with the fact that um, Chipmunk was... Well, I keep saying Chipmunk. His name's Chip now. But whether or not you agree with the fact that Chip went pop, some of the people he had on his songs, if you look at where they are now, like Chris Brown, um, Trey Songs, um, okay, Kerry Hilson, um, who else did he have? Quite <laughs> a few other people. <laughs> he was signed to TI. That was something that was huge. It was a huge like, Emily, Sa- he was opened- a huge- Emily Sandy. It was a huge moment. It was huge. He got signed to TI. That's, I mean, that's, yeah. But I uh, think compare like the two of them, like comparing Tiny and Chip, because they both went through a similar trajectory, in in my opinion. Um, Chip got his street cred back. The latter's still trying to yeah. do that. And that's not shade at all. That's just, that's literally what it is. It's facts on paper. The other one is trying to do that. Um, but Chip, I think he's, he's always got the lyricism, always had the pen, even when he was in his pop days, still had the pen. Um, Mavado, we missed that one out. Like amazing collaborations on throughout his career. And I just think that he needs to release another album solo and with the right people, right producers, and that will cement his status again. That's that's the missing piece for me. Right. Second of all, this is basically hot off the press as of yesterday. Um, there will be another versus battle and people have been calling for more women to join the arena. So we have more women. Um, so obviously versus, if you don't know, is an online music battle, which was started by Timbo, um, Timberland and Swiss Beats, which has seen so many producers, songwriters, etc. take to Instagram live to go 20 songs, I believe it is, um, discography wise, back to back and see who has the better one. Um, so now our latest one before this was Teddy Riley and Babyface. And now we are moving to Jill Scott, who will battle Erica Badu. So this battle is set to take place 7pm Eastern Standard Time on May 9th. Swiss Beats released information 
um, last yesterday, sorry, not last night, yesterday, um, and the internet went crazy. Um, people were saying it's the Hotep battle of all I'm Hotep dead. battles. Let's not disrespect your skull. We will be we will be wearing to the function certain hats. I forgot what they're called, the hat styles, but the hats that farmers wear to this battle. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> This, Not farmers. This, this, we will be in our best farmers' functions. Our best, only fours, our best, only fours and horses hat. Only fools and horses, there you go. I think they're called pork pie hats or like golfers hats. I think golfers they're called. Hats. Yeah, let's call them golfers pork pie hats. Um, we'll be wearing that to the Jill Scott, Erica Badu battle. Now, if anyone knows, these two women are quintessential forces in r&b neo soul etc so this is going to be a whole this is going to be a huge battle this is going to be a huge battle who do you guys think is going to take the crown and yeah if this is particularly to Shoffe, i want to hear what do you want to hear on may 9th because i know you're you're locked in you've confirmed that you i will attendance, i'll be so. there with my dashiki and kara some beads incense i'll be there <laughs> Incense, incense, of course. And a cult four five. Yes. Remember the cult four. Don't ever I'll, forget the I'll cult make sure five. that I've read some Saul Williams and some Death Poetry Jam. This is so funny. So I would like to shout everyone who um <laughs> tweeted me or texted me when this was announced. It shows you all know me, of course. As you, as it should come to surprise. Obviously, I adore and both love these women, both of them to death. I've seen them both live. They're both experiences in their own rights. So I, I, I love both of them. Um as for um my predictions, I will say this. I I do think Erica will win because Erica just has like those mm. off the top like what Jill has classics, but I mean in terms of like, you know, I guess in terms of commercial success, Erica's had more commercially successful songs. Like, you know, On and On and yeah. Tyrone and Bag Lady. But I want to say don't sleep on Jill. So that's what I want to say. So this isn't gonna be like a a clear shot winner here. It's not, it's not going to be like an obvious win. Uh, so I want to say, I do think Erica will win, um, but I want to say, don't sleep yeah. on Jill. Don't sleep on her catalogue. Don't sleep on her discography. Jill has, 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 has hits too. Jill has catalogue too. And also, this really is a battle if you are a fan of both of them. Because like I said, neither of them are like, you know, They've been very successful, but it's, this isn't going to be like a Beyonce, Mariah Carey, like where they've had like number ones upon number ones and Grammys upon <laughs> Grammys. Like, like if you're a fan of both these women, then you'll appreciate it. And they're going to be put, putting out songs which, you know, were album tracks or songs that weren't necessarily big hits, but they've culturally over time become, you know, esteemed classics. Like, for example, Golden um, wasn't a massive hit when it came out, but just over the years, it's kind of just become like a... I don't know, I'd really hard to describe it. I think Nick or Eden can describe it better than I do, but that's one of those songs that we all know, we all know and love, but it wasn't necessarily a big chart hit. Because I think we, in this battle, it's important to say that charts aren't everything and numbers aren't everything for this battle. Oh, 100%. No, 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 no. This is, yeah, this is literally, like this is literally who, for yeah. who yeah. knows, who who's in the culture, who knows their music, who knows what they've contributed Fast. to r&b and neo soul and hip-hop in both their cases because you know they both um are affiliated with um the roots and the soul Aquarians and all that jazz so i will say erica will win just because yeah. she has songs like tyrone and love of my life and on and on but don't sleep on jill don't sleep on jill jill has you know a long walk and getting in the way the way golden like so so oh uh, yeah so i just want to say 
I love both of them. I'll be there with my dashiki. I'll be there with my beads. Yeah. I'm listening as well. I mean, I'm excited for this. I really want to see. I really want to just see mm. what they play. I'm really mm. excited mm. to see what hits, what yes. deep cuts, yes. what like where we're yes. going with this. Are they going to rely on features? Are they going to rely on solo? Like, how the dynamic going to work? Are they going to rely on their producer catalogue as well? Like, all of this, like, in terms of the biggest producers they've worked with and stuff like that. I don't know how, who, who's going to... Erica's got strategy, oh, for sure. though. I know for she's, sure. a woman of, she's, she's a sure. woman of strategy. She's a woman of gameplay, game theory, all of that. So, we'll, we'll see what she brings. But what I love about this is that I feel like this is probably amongst all the battles. This will be the most just genuine love for music it's not going to be about ego and going to be yes. about oh i got this one nigga. it's going to be like this is just a tune this is just a banger and they both know what songs yeah. in their catalogs have really impacted their fans and what certain songs will mean because i, I can't mm. really think of any any right now but i know there are certain songs that jill or erica can play that was going to say big hits but they know the impact it's had on their respective communities and their respective fan bases mm. so i'm really excited for this Really, um, I am too. I don't call Joe a hotep. She's not. I know Erica is has made some questionable comments over the years, and she's hotep adjacent. Oh, I did. I did. This is twi- This is the but, Twitter streets. Okay, they were like, it's the ho- no, hotep throwdown no, and all no, this. I was just like, Jill is not a, a hotep. Jill is not a hotep. <laughs> I haven't seen questionable comments from Jill, so I, I can't. Yes. Erica, we we've seen a and lot. We've seen. I'm a single with my chest, years, but um, but that's not what makes that. That's not what makes a hotep though. I'm s- well. Go on then. What? Let's hear it. Qu- qu- questionable. Co- question. What do you mean? Let's hear it. <laughs> questionable comments don't make a hotep. Well, you know, they will. The streets will call it a hotep. I don't even know. They would like. She's made comments about young girls. R. Kelly and, skirts, and some other things. You know, she's made R. Kelly. Oh, you're comparing. I thought you meant in order to be a hotep, you need to have questionable comments. That's what I was like referring to. Oh no, 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 no. She just she's had <laughs> she's had comments that yeah have sparked yeah. controversy. Yeah, no, but I agree. I, yeah, I'm just gonna Erica, say this with my yeah. chest, yeah. and you niggas will never take Erica Badu away from me. She's uncountable to me. I'm saying it here on live. Like you never will take her away from me. <laughs> I'm stuck. I'm really sorry. I think we all, honestly, I think we all have someone and i don't want to do that line where the moral high ground and all that but we all have someone you know i've said it on the show before nas for me is my line and it's problematic very um it's very problematic but um i think everyone does have their line. oh yeah yeah we're We're not going there there. (laughs) you know there's there's limits to this that that for me that's the limit you know we're not dealing with that but um for me it's maxwell I'm not cancelling Maxwell, even if something comes up. Yeah, it depends, oh, it depends what comes what it out, is. but Maxwell. Well, I would even co-sign that one as well. But yeah, it, obviously yeah. the lizard is yeah. aligned with everyone. But as of now, you know, the second of May, twenty twenty, these are all. Yes, people I'm who sorry, Erica has one of. Right she's literally male or female, regardless of genre, regardless of era. Erica Badu is one of my favorite artists of all time. If you give me top five, she'll be in there somewhere. I'm sorry, <laughs> Mama's Gun. I'm sorry, that album, World Went Underground. I, I'm I'm sorry. The live album? No, you, you don't do it. You're not taking it away from me. <laughs> <laughs> I won't. You won't I'm do finished. it. And as for R. Kelly, like you know, as the R&B um um one, I I obviously, as you can imagine, I loved R. Kelly, but and I will forever appreciate that. Forever will appreciate that you know, he is you know a great artist and he's given us some incredible music. But no, that he. I'm yeah. sorry. No, he had to go. 
That's no. And the thing is, I even said, I even said, if Usher, you know, was to go up against anyone, he would be the person. But exactly. we're not doing that in this circumstance. We're not doing that. But those two, I would, I would love to have seen it in a different lifetime with a different set of career trajectories and personal dabbles. But yes, R. Kelly will not be played no. in my barbecues. No. Let me just say that. It won't be, but it's hard. It is hard, and Shoppe pointed this out to me, and then I went back. It is hard to cancel him on in the behind the scenes in terms of songwriting production. It's really hard. We all have a song or two or four or five that we play that has somewhere in the background credits his name. So Mm -hmm. it's really hard to really completely eradicate Arkady. But direct songs, I'm not doing that. I think that point. So when I saw I saw Tony Braxton last year. And um, she took requests in the middle of the show, which I loved. I love that she was interactive with her audience. And someone requested, I Don't Want To, which first and foremost is probably one of my favourite Tony Braxton songs. But unfortunately, R. Kelly wrote it. <laughs> and she and she oh, said verbatim, oh no, we can't do that song. We don't like that man anymore. And I knew what she was talking about. <laughs> I was like, oh, because I love that song. <laughs> I love that, that. I love that song. At least she took some accountability. Yeah. That's mad that she took some accountability. I love that song. But she was like, yeah, no, we can't do that song. Next request. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's it. Yeah. Let's move into our last topic because as quarantine has kind of developed, we have just seen loads of treats from the artists, some which me and Shopee have kind of said, and even Eden as well have overwhelmed us like in terms of so many releases so much one time we're at home it's just it's a lot we don't have a lot of places to play all these new songs but you know i just have to say to start off with this kid this this woman she's the hustler of all hustlers i have to say and both of these women are hustlers but this one in particular who i'm going to start off with i've just i've seen the industry throw so many things at her and her team throw so many things at her and she's just, she's overcome it's in so many different ways, getting a standout hit, her Hail Mary, which I called it the other day, in terms of her just having a moment um, with Big Old Freak, which we didn't think was going to be a moment, but somehow the, the, the gates opened up for her. Then she had Hot Girl Summer, which I don't like, but it helped. It was necessary. It was necessary, it helped. Um, and then we've ha- now had another which I knew was coming because she's from Houston. I knew it would happen. I knew this other woman, this this juggernaut would jump on at some point and she did and she helped her out. Beyonce, Megan Thee Stallion, they released a remix of the already successful Savage, which um, took TikTok and social media by storm in our first weeks of quarantine. This week we saw Beyonce obviously hop on. The song got remixed, you know, um, remastered in a true form to how the old days of remixes were reworked, sorry. Um, Beyonce obviously added her harmonies to the record as well as two verses. uh, um, She ended off the song, basically. Uh, This is a remix, Savage got released, took, it broke the internet, basically. Again, she was trending, Beyonce was trending, everyone was trending. It was a huge moment. Tidal had it exclusive um, first play of it, and then YouTube had it, um, and it's, uh, I think it went number one on Apple Music the following day. So shout out to Megan, shout out to Beyonce. That's the first song, um, which we got surprised 
um, with this week. And then Doja Cat, Nicki Minaj came the following day, which was New Music Friday. Um, and it's Say So, which is already a huge crossover record for Doja Cat. It, it's arguably her breakthrough record. Um, and she is from her second album, Hot Pink. And Nicki Minaj hopped on. Now, apparently this song got leaked in the beginning, uh, days before Friday's release. So then Doja and her team got together and said, let's release it officially. Um, Nicki obviously uh, starts off the song. Um, there's loads of different bars there. There's loads of Cassie references, Naomi Campbell references in the song. Um, but yeah, Say So, Savage, Remixes, bigger ladies in the industry who have been here for years longer than these two decided to help them out. So what do you guys think of both songs? If you've heard them yet, I don't know. Um, yeah. Savage, say so. What do we think? What do we think for Megan and Doja Cat? I haven't heard um, the Doja Cat one yet. I haven't actually sat down and listened to that. Say yeah, so. say so. I haven't Tell heard that yet. Um, mm. I've heard Savage. I thought it was good, um, but I didn't really like the song to begin with personally. Um, but it is a good. It's a good look. Like I watched a video where Meg was quite emotional about when she found out. Um, that Beyonce would feature on the song. Yeah. And um, it was nice to see. Like, she's very humble in the way that she comes up. Like, she likes to show emotion. She likes to talk about how Beyonce was someone who was, like, almost unto untouchable to her. And then she's now got this collaboration. And obviously, she alluded to the fact that her mum was a massive fan of Beyonce as well, which you could see was kind of tearing her up as well. Um, but it must be, it must be very, like, so, yeah. really, really amazing for, like, the artists you look up to to reach out to you because um, I was watching I was reading a thread the other day randomly that came up on I think the Dats timeline and it was like Zendaya and all of her moments where she was praising Beyonce um, because Zendaya featured no, she didn't feature but she was in one of the videos for um, a Lemonade <clears throat> uh, song I think it was Formation um, and not Formation yeah. but she's she's in multiple scenes throughout the whole movie yeah and it, I was just kind of like, yeah, you know what? It is, I, I get it. I understand it. Like if someone you look up to your entire life or the majority of your life reaches out to you or like features on something you do, it's almost like you must be on cloud nine. You must be like, wow, like I must be doing something right. So shout out to Meg. That must be an amazing, amazing feeling. Um, I know there's conversation about Nicki Minaj dissing Beyonce at the end of her song. I don't know if that's true. Um, <laughs> I don't know anything about that whatsoever. Um, but also shout out to Doja Cat, yeah. Doja Cat, sorry, because I know she's been having a very, very successful period. Um, and thinking about her personality and kind of the Gen Z generation and kind of how they love, um, gifts and all of these types of things, she seems like the perfect personality, um, and rapper for that generation. So amazing yeah. to see um i must say though it is a shame that drake dropped on the day that both of them were releasing the remixes um i don't know if you've seen but i think 14 of his songs were in the top 100 i believe it was um and I we're think gonna get into that nigga <laughs> and i think there are yeah we can we can jump into drake yeah well, well yeah. i think i think how many songs were there on the project i think there were 14 i think all 14 of them were in the um there top were. 100 um and it was just interesting he decided to drop on that day of all days. I don't think if he dropped it like a day later or like a, even like a month or week later, it would have made that much of a difference. We didn't need it anyway. Yeah. I don't think, do you know what it was? I don't think 
um, he did that intentionally. I think it was always coming um, for that Friday. And I the reason why I say that is because he has been, in my opinion, self-leaking many tracks for many weeks now. Um, and they all sound perfect. Studio ready. You know, I Am One days and I Am One music and LimeWire days, they were sounding scratched up and bodged up and stuff like that. These were sounding near perfect. OVO is self-releasing these tracks to to get a feel either to get a feeler or just to just to throw them out for the sake of it because drake drake wait drake is drake we're not point. doing drake, drake yet wait no 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 i'm just saying no 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 i'm just saying but i think he was always releasing that day but yes to the girls uh megan and um doja cat doja is a viral sensation right now she knows how to go viral any given day of any given month um so I love that Nikki, um, a controversial figure as well, who loves visuals, which I want to see them two on, collaborated. And I think Doja and Nikki were getting, uh, they were getting comparisons and compared to each other um, before when um, Doja released Rules, the visual for Rules. And everyone was like, oh, that's Nikki's flow and all of this kind of stuff. And I'm glad that they faced into it and just collaborated and you know, I did say when Nikki collaborated with Megan that it was for strategy, which Shoppe obviously agreed with as well. And you know, it was all for it, it was all for a look on on Minaj's part. In my it was opinion. very good PR. But I think that as of now, I'm still kind of swayed either way. I'm on the fence, but I I, I want to hope that there's growth. I hope you know. I hope quarantine period is making people think a lot more. Um, <laughs> and I hope that Nikki is ready to collaborate with more people because people want to hear her on more women in raps songs because she's she's done so many features with the men so yeah and doja doja if they are getting comparisons why not collaborate why not collaborate and say there's no beef you know let this girl have a rise let her have her own thing and you know nikki's nikki you know but yeah beyonce and megan you know beyonce's got this 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 way of having a deeper voice when she gets into her rap bag. And I know that you guys will know what I mean. Um, it's, it's quite interesting to hear, you know, and I'm just, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued if she's going to do more rap. I'm intrigued I if this not. is, you know, because ape shit was obviously, <laughs> you know, me goes, you know, gave her a few lines or whatever. But um, personally, you know, obviously it's a big look for Megan, but I think there'll be a better collaboration to come in, in the years between those two. Uh, maybe on Megan's debut. I don't think this is the last we'll see of a, a Megan and Beyonce um collab. Maybe one more we'll see. But um, do you know what? It's, it's it's nice for Megan to get what she's always wanted, and I know she's called Beyonce's name out since her inception, basically in her career. Um, so it was it was great for Beyonce to actually say, "I'm gonna collaborate." Hey, you haven't done it for a while. Let me come again and do do a collaboration. You know, I did feel of myself. Now makes the new girl that I'm feeling from my place. Let me co-sign and open the doors for her. So and Solange no, I, and Solange is a Megan stan. Solange is a massive Megan fan. So I know there's something with those two probably coming soon too. I don't know how that one will work, but them two coming together. I know Solange could talk some mad, some rap, oh yeah, and some songs. So I'm I'm waiting for that. I'm I'm waiting for her to her and Meg. That that will be a true stallion link up. Uh, I definitely and I know Solange will try and make some some different visuals for that one so yeah um shout out to shout out to megan man getting all she wants i cannot own i cannot but root for megan i cannot but root for her because she's she's as eden said a genuine 
seems so genuine and had all the industry come at her, man, and the worst deaths in, in the space of a month. So, yeah, shout out to her, man. Shout out to that song. Cool. Right. Are we allowed to talk about so, Drake now? I, I, wait. No, Shopping needs I haven't, to I haven't shared my thoughts on okay, Megan and Dosha. My bad, my bad. <laughs> and sorry, Nikki's going to get it, in my, but we're coming. Nikki's going to get it. So. Oh, dear. <laughs> so, oh, dear. I have several thoughts on both these remixes. So, I just want to say that um, um, I love that Megan's Beyonce's song was actually a real remix. It was actually, we had, we got new verses. There was um, amendments to the actual production of the song. There was different yeah. layers to the song. It wasn't just a copy and paste remix, which which I feel has become so common in our generation. And it is the reason why I didn't really care for Ari's remix EP. I was like, okay, so just copy and paste verses. Okay, next. Um, <laughs> so I love that it was a true, true remix. True remix. I loved that first and foremost. And I just want to say that Beyonce's ear, Beyonce's cadence, musicality, unmatched. Because I didn't know what I was going to get when I pressed play, but aside from the fact that she gave us two blazing verses, you know me, once again, the singer, the singing, my girl was giving me harmonies and layered vocals and stacks. I was just, yes, yes, this is why I stand. Who, who can give you that kind of a flair on a trap on a track like that, which is so sparse in terms of melodic ideas, but she really just really added so many different things to the song. It really just elevated the whole song. So I just want to say this to all of you niggas, even included, do not play on my girl's ear. The ear. That's what I want to say. Um, secondly, <laughs> so, yeah, no, I was just, I was just, basically, every time she comes out of something and bar the, the Jay-Z album. I'm like, this is why I stand. This is why I'm Beehive. This is why. Um, but secondly, I'm so upset that we're not going to get a music video for this because of quarantine, because I think we could have really had a brilliant visual Wait, for but this Wait, but I think Meg alluded to it being an anime video. No, but that's what I'm saying. I know that, but uh. I don't want that. Oh, I want an actual. You mean them in a room? I need them in a. Doing I need them shit. in. A, I need them in Houston on a ranch, <laughs> in cargo outfits oh and my boots. Days. I can imagine it. Ass out, thighs out. <laughs> I just need. I need it all of it. I need the energy because Megan will give the energy that Nikki failed to give on feeling myself. But anyway, we're doing that right now. Um, sorry, that collaboration was awful. <laughs> I have to say, it. have to say it, have to say it. Terrible, terrible, terrible. <laughs> delete it. Control Alt Delete. But the video was nice. It's done. Um, but you know, so I really am upset that we're not gonna get a visual for this song. Like, I which is why adding to Nick's point, I hope that maybe we can get another song. Maybe Megan can feature on Beyonce's next album, and we can get a visual. But even part of that, I want them to perform it together post quarantine. That, they have that to. needs to they that needs to. to happen. And I just want to say that Beyonce also has taste because unlike Eden, he didn't like any of Megan's last tape. I did say I don't like it either. No, Eden, I'm not coming for you. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm I, I understand. Wait, which tape is this sugar? sugar. Or, um oh, so sugar, I didn't okay. care for sugar either <laughs> at all. But I did say I said to Eden in fact I said that Savage is probably the only song that I like um, and Captain Hook. Yeah, Captain Hook. Right. I loved Captain Hook. And the lone, Captain Hook is hard. And the lone behold, Beyonce Giselle Knowles, with taste, said, This is the one I'm going to remix. The other songs I'm going to leave alone, but this is the one. Yeah, the no, one wait, I'm hold on. No, too. you've got to. You can't. 
I understand what you're saying, but also that's the only song that kind of went viral. So it's not an, it's not necessarily it's yeah. not necessarily to do with taste. It's more so to do with the fact that this is the number one song on TikTok at the moment, and if Beyonce jumps on it, people are gonna. And as we're seeing, people are doing routines to it as well. So <laughs> I just course. think we need to kind but, of look at the actual fact. Oh, but dear. but all I know is if the other songs went viral, we would not be getting collaboration. I don't believe they that. Aren't it. I don't believe that. They're not it. I don't believe that at all. If that, if that, you're if... gonna let me. You're gonna let me stand and be and deal with it. Okay, <laughs> you're gonna let me stand for my girl, and you're gonna deal with it. Universal shopping. Universal gonna come back. So I just want to say that I um, I'm so happy that this song is doing well for her because even outside the Beyonce remix, it's actually become her big, the biggest hit of her career. So I'm happy that the song's doing so well for her anyway. And I'm happy that this song can breathe a new life and hopefully we can get Megan's first top 10 because I know it was like, oh, number one, number one, number one. But, you know, hopefully it does. We'll see. But I'll be happy if it just goes to the top 10 over the next few weeks because I really want that for Megan. And I'll be happy for her to even just get a top 10. Now, moving on to Doja Cat. So, <laughs> I would just like to say that Doja's song was really doing well. I didn't really think it needed an extra push. Because it, it's kind of, in terms of it going further, I think it's kind of peaked. I don't think it was really going to go anywhere. I think it was going to just solidly stay in the top five, which is obviously amazing in and of itself. But I just think that I would have, I'm happy that Doja and Nikki are doing a song together, but this is not the song I wanted it for. I would have loved to have heard 100%. Nikki on Cybersex or like that or Streets yeah. or Rules as Nick mentioned earlier. Like, there are so many other songs on Doja's album which would be like, this is where Nikki would have killed a verse. This is, yeah. I don't want Starships Nikki. I don't pound the alarm Nikki. We're leaving her in 2010. I don't want that. I don't want her to <laughs> stay in the bin. So I just, I just kind of, just, I just kind of feel like it was a waste opportunity because Nikki's a bitch. So we're not gonna get another collaboration from her and Doja anyway. So I just felt like it was a waste. I was like, I'm, ha- I understand the strategy. I understand because it's gonna boost the song. It's gonna, you know, obviously chart high and chart longer, sustain whatever. I get that, but I just wish that it was a different song. I actually would have rather it be a song, like that hadn't that hadn't blown yet. So let's say. Doja was going to release like that as a single and Nicki was going to be on the rinks and then from the beginning that song could have you know done waves and made moves rather than say so I just felt like Nicki like I would have I would have rather if we ha- if we were going to have like a remix I would have rather another rapper or another like another a female singer or something not Nicki Minaj yeah. to say so so that's that but you know I hope it, I hope it, I hope the song gives you the boost it needs secondly Doja you already are in, in hot war for your past homophobic comments They've moved on and they're allowing you to win in spite of your, your ignorance, which I believe was ignorance. I don't believe you actually are a homophobe. I think you were just ignorant. And that's fine. So why did you let Onika Tani Mirage say on your song, and you approved this line, mm-hmm. used to be used to be bi, but now I'm hetero. Where was the sense? Where was the logic? Why? Why did why would you let that run? Because people are, are, are complaining on Twitter, like, why would Nikki say that? And Doja, I was like. You just, you've just come back from your homophobia. You've just come back. Why would you let this line slide? Why? 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 You know what? But that's fine. But Nikki, you also are an idiot for that song because you're endorsing the, the idea that that um, these um, identities aren't valid or legitimate. So fuck you for that. 
Um, uh, you know, I you guys know, like Nicki Minaj, so the agenda will always remain. The agenda will always remain. <laughs> Ganja burns in this bitch. Um, I would sing the wow. song, but I'm at home, so I'm not gonna, you know, but Ganja burns, Ganja burns. <laughs> um, I'm dead. So, um, yeah, that's my thought. I don't need a video for this. I don't. I don't need a performance from Nicki on this. It's fine. You know, let it go to number one, and we can leave it at that. That's it. Didn't need any more. No, Doja, get your number one single, get your top two single, and then move on. Doja, we need um like that to be the next single or streets to be the next single. Please and thank you, management. Okay. <laughs> just because I'm conscious that we're running out of time, I just want to quickly have a quick conversation about Drake and what yes, he. Yes, I have things to say. So I was reading, I was reading from um a lot of like Stan accounts that. Apparently, it's a trend that when Nicki Minaj is going to drop something, Drake seems to drop something around the same time. I don't know if that's something you guys have noticed before, but apparently that's something that does but, happen. But it was only a remix. Like, it's not really benefiting Nicki like that. Like, it's not like she has an album, unless there's something that we don't know. But it, it, it doesn't really benefit Nicki. Like, I mean, it does in terms of the narrative that she's collaborating with women now and rap and stuff, but... In terms of, I feel like she could just sit at home and be like, oh, I did it, you know, like, Doja, go and promote that. I'm, you know, I'm just chilling. No. I don't know, but if there is, I haven't noticed that there's a, tra- I haven't, I haven't noticed that. Maybe I'm going to take a deeper look now that you've highlighted it, though. But no, but actually, I, I do, I do actually, and this is probably a controversial thing, I do actually think um, Nicki Minaj needs this. I do actually think that. Oh, she does. Needs, yeah, I, I, she does. I definitely think she, she does. does need it. Um. And I'm trying to think why. I just feel like she, her PR and her her image hasn't been great lately. And I feel like seeing her collaborate with women at the moment is something that will help improve her image. Um, but also, yeah. a lot of her songs haven't really been performing that well lately. Um, and that's aside due, from the six nines one. Yeah, and that's due to a number of reasons. Um, and also, uh, apparently, she's getting divorced from her her husband and all these types of things. Like I actually do think it would be good for her to jump on a song that does well because, and I'm not putting women against each other. She's being surpassed at the moment. I, I think that people are going to start, stop listening to her. Um, but I'm, I guess we'll see what happens really. My whole thing is, mm. so I agree with Eden that Nick, Nikki does need this. Um, Cause outside of everything he just said, her last album didn't do well. None of the singles were major hits really. Um, so like, it sold quite well, like for a woman in like it's but by Nikki well standards, ten years in her career, like it went. I think it sold like I think it's went on in the second week to go two hundred k. Like it's fine. Like I feel like it. Obviously, it wasn't the best. The PR was terrible around the time, but despite all circumstances, she actually sold. But quite are we? Like, but but are we? Comparing... But I think we can say it wasn't as successful as her other projects. Yeah, exactly. Can, so it was a stark difference. Are you comparing that to the rest difference. of the market? Or are you comparing that to Nicki Minaj? Like, I'm comparing it to the rest of the market. Well, that would well. be like she didn't. She didn't sell. She didn't sell that. And I think bad. I think that's like, the issue though, because usually Nicki is exception to the rule. So the fact that she's being compared to the rest of the market would definitely highlight there's a decline. At least in my understanding, which is which is I I I I, I take that point and I run with that too. Not to say that she shouldn't be compared, but you know, once again, if we're going to compare, you know, Beyonce when she dropped something, like when Lemonade came out, that like, you know, like twenty years into the career, she was still besting her first week sales, still 
besting herself. She debuted with 185k. That's not bad. That's that's actually that's actually beyond exception. Like that's actually not normal. But this like, isn't the point. Like, the point is Drake needs to fuck off. Drake, we don't need any more music from you. The question is why are you still make releasing music. That's that is the that is where we're at. Why Drake is still making music? What we, I tell I told you multiple times on the show. I don't hear from you. To 2022. Well, actually, you, you've I, given me this mixtape, and you're now having the audacity to announce an album for this summer. Well, this is actually go what... away. <laughs> but that, that, please, that's enough. But I, th- I think. Okay. I, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I actually think the reason he's doing this is 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 to the point of that, and also something Nick said as well. I think Drake realizes that he's running out of steam. I think he realizes that, and I've noticed that he doesn't really. It's very much more obvious when Drake is jumping on a hype now than it was before. Like, it's something that he would kind of do on an accent or um, it was kind of like an inf- like the Quinton Miller and him writing for him and everything. It's more apparent when Drake's like jumping on drill because it's popular now or doing viral or making songs to go viral on TikTok and all these types of things. I definitely think he is running out yeah. of steam. I don't think he is... Um, unaware of that and I think that's why he is pushing music like this tape this um, collection at the moment right now and why he's announced another album to come after this because I think people are looking elsewhere now Um, so yeah and I think that could be true it's hard do you know what it's hard because I think with Drake he still has that often revered um, asset in making people boost uh, giving them a boost in their career so new acts if they collaborate with drake they will see their probably highest charting single to date they'll yep. see their biggest numbers to date um you know he's opened the gate for so many people and there is a drake feature um that, that there's a reason why british rappers are in his comments there are a reason why american upcoming rappers are in his comments there are a reason why um when and the thing is do you know what's funny even when i was in toronto I got invited to a show, Baby Keem show, and Drake was in the back. You know, he's watching the new kids because he, when he decides to feature, they'll they'll run at it. And I think it's this duality between him still having the doors and the, the control on the industry. But then, as I said the other day, him still running out of steam at the same time and jumping on on um, on different beats. And I, I kind of thought in my head and I don't want to. I don't want to be offensive to this community or anything like that, but it's kind of like he has ADHD. Like he just jumps on so many different things and just keeps like drills hot. Let me jump on that. This is hot. Let me jump on it like that. And as even said, it's becoming more and more apparent what he's doing. And to to people who can see the funk, they can see it. But there's obviously Drake stands who will deny it. And, you know, people who are just like arse licking essentially like, Drake can do no wrong. Drake sounds great. You know, the tape's fire. It's already a classic. It's diddly. And it's like, guys, let's just be real. Put Take the rose-coloured glasses off. Like, Drake is running out of steam. And even in his interview um, with Rap Radar at Christmas, he said, him and Kendrick, him and J. Cole, let's see who's going to last the next decade. And I think that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to set himself up for that this year. 2020 out the gate, corona or not, I am in your face and I've started the decade. You guys can't start it without me. That is what he's doing. Um, and he's, he's eager, as Eden said. He's, he's spreading his money into projects, executive producing this and that. 
Drake knows that he what he Drake wants to be known for something and more than one thing and that's what that's what he's doing. TikTok, his song is now etched in TikTok memory. Drake, he's an interesting character. He's it's going to be interesting to see his journey this this decade because we will see, as I said it before in this podcast, we will start to see the decline in Drake this decade. This will be the decade. Um, so let's just see what happens. I'm just going to say this very quickly, then Eden can round off and and close everything. I agree with everything you both said. But I think that Drake has earned enough goodwill from the general public and his fans to take a few years off between projects. So we're not going to forget yeah. about Drake if, if he takes three years off. He's done enough. He has enough goodwill. 100. People will be here when he comes back in two, three years' time. He will be fine. And I think that during your breaks, do more of the TV. Do more of the other things. Mm. But music, you need to leave <laughs> us alone. I beg, it's enough. Seriously. And that's my thoughts. Okay, cool. Just to round off the episode, I'm going to say thank you guys for listening. Um, it's been a great episode and I'm glad we're back. Um, so to find us individually, it's Eads McKenzie, Shope Showitan, IMN Tyrell, but collective, we are Don't Alert the Stands. That's D-A-T-S-P-O-D. Instagram, Twitter, Vero. Um, and thank you very much for listening. We hope you're enjoying your time and staying home. Peace. <laughs>